Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, this week we are going to be taking a look at the last three books of the books of history in the Old Testament. So far, we have covered the first five books of Moses, also called the Pentateuch, the Law, or the Torah. Those are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books. With that, we have the foundation of humanity, the sin, and then the patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name is changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the second section of the Christian Old Testament is the books of history. There are 12 books. Okay, we're going to take just a moment and sing my childhood song with the verse of the history books. Let us sing the books of history, of history, of history. Let us sing the books of history, which tell of the Jews. First Joshua, second Judges, then the story of Ruth. Then first and second Samuel, and first and second Kings. Then first and second Chronicles, which give us the record. Then Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the Queen. At the end of the Pentateuch, Moses dies, and with the beginning of the books of history, we start with Joshua taking the land for Israel. Once established, the judges rule, which were the dark ages, quote-unquote, for Israel. The people demanded a king because the judges just weren't working. So the prophet Samuel is used to bring forth Saul, the first king. And then King David, and then after King David was Solomon. It was through King David's line that the covenant was made for an everlasting kingdom. Through all three of these kings, Israel was pretty much a united kingdom. However, when Solomon died, Solomon's son Rehoboam became king, and the ten northern tribes rebelled. Jeroboam became their king, the king of Israel. The two southern tribes that stayed loyal to King David's line were Judah and Benjamin, and they were known as Judah. From the get-go, the northern tribes started in idolatry because their king Jeroboam did not want them traveling to Jerusalem in order to worship. There was no quote-unquote good king of Israel. Since they continually worshipped false gods and did evil in the eyes of the Lord in 722 BC, they were taken over by Assyria. The king of Assyria took the children of Israel into exile throughout the land of Assyria. And in chapter 17 of 2 Kings, we see that the king purposefully brought people from Babylon and other places to inhabit the land of Israel. The capital of Israel, the northern ten tribes, was Samaria. Due to the prayers of the king of Judah, Hezekiah, and the prayer of the prophet Isaiah, 
The Lord spared Judah and Assyria did not take them. This is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 20. The next great world power became Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar. In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar deported some Jews from Jerusalem, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He came back again in 597 BC because Jerusalem tried to rebel against Babylon and he took more Jews to Babylon. This was the second exile. In this group was the prophet Ezekiel. And then finally, because of the wickedness of Judah, in 587-86 came the third deportation of Jews with the destruction of the temple. They burnt it down and the city walls of Jerusalem they tore down and Jerusalem was destroyed. That leads us to Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. In the Hebrew Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah are considered one book, even though it is believed that the writer of each book is the name for which it bears. In other words, Ezra wrote Ezra and Nehemiah wrote Nehemiah. In the Hebrew Bible, all three of these books are placed in the section called Writings. Now, the next world power became Persia. One of the things I'm thankful for is that they are in alphabetical order. So we first have Assyria, then Babylon, and now Persia. In 539 BC, Cyrus, the king of Persia, conquered Babylon. This is how 2 Chronicles ends and how Ezra begins. Here we see that in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord stirred up his heart and he made a declaration and he also wrote it down and it said, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He then asks, who will go? Now, there are a few things to point out about this amazing fact that a non-Jewish king would proclaim that the God of Israel, he is the God in Jerusalem. Ladies, this reminds us that the Lord God is over all of the nations. In other words, God is sovereign. The plus in that is if we believe in this God, no matter what befalls our nation or our world nations, God is not surprised and he is not scared. He has a plan. And even if we don't understand, we can trust his heart. The next thing that is amazing is that the Lord's prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, both declared that this would happen 130 to 150 years earlier. So let's take a look. In Isaiah 44, verse 28, it says, Thus says Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform for my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built and to the temple your foundation will be laid. Isaiah continues through chapter 45, verses 1 through 8, and then verse 13 of chapter 45. The Lord makes it clear through this prophecy that God raised up Cyrus, king of Persia. And then the Lord says, so that he may know the Lord, which calls him by name, is the God of Israel. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 3. 
Then in verse 13, it says that he will build my city and he will let all the captives free, says the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. Before King Cyrus was even born, Isaiah prophesied that this would happen and God knew his name. Then the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 25 verses 11 through 12 predicts that all of Judah will be desolate from the king of Babylon and when 70 years have passed, the Lord will banish the kingdom of Babylon and the nation because of their iniquity or their sin. Then in Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 10 through 14, he prophesies again that after 70 years are over, God will cause the Israelites to return to their place. Then verse 11 is one of my favorite Old Testament verses. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not calamity, plans to give you a future and a hope. I memorized this verse when I was a teenager. It gave me hope that God had a plan for my life, even when I didn't have a clue. And he did. And he does. But I memorized it out of context. Does this verse mean that there will be no heartache? No. How do I know that? Because this prophecy is telling Judah that they are going to be exiled in Babylon for 70 years. And in the midst of that, he is with them. When I was a young mom with two toddlers and a baby, I thought I was in exile. I had definitely felt that I had lost me along the way, taking care of everybody else. But God was in the midst of that hard time, just as God was with the Israelites in their exile. I know I learned lessons during those times that are invaluable but truthfully, I do not desire to go back and do it again. But I prefer the me that's here now than the me that was before that hard time. And then in Jeremiah, the promise continues with, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from the places that I have driven you, and I will bring you back. Now, Dr. Betts, my Old Testament professor, said there are two ways to look at the 70 years. The first would start with the first exile from Jerusalem in 605 B.C., and that happened with Babylon. And the first return of the Jews happened in 536. He prefers this way of looking at it because those taken during the first exile would have considered that the exile had started. The second view is a more theological or spiritual view. The true exile happened with the destruction of the temple in 587-86 B.C., to the time that Haggai, one of the minor prophets, mentions that the temple was rebuilt and finished in 516 BC. It seems to me that both could be true. Now the key word for Ezra is temple, because we will see tomorrow that that's what happens, the process of rebuilding the temple. And then we will see with Nehemiah, Jerusalem's walls will be rebuilt which is why the two books go together. 
I want to end with a reminder that if the Lord God Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if he knows the name of the king of Persia, Cyrus, he knows you too. King David wrote in what we call Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies, you and I, we are created and loved. And he has given us our name. So keep in mind, if you feel that you are in exile, not where you want to be right now, then seek the Lord's face and search with all your heart and he will be found by you and he will bring you back to himself. And ladies, there is no better place to be. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who obey like King Cyrus. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.